Peanuts Gallery is brought to you by Freddie Fabulous from Fremont. Freddie Fabulous from Fremont. He's from Fremont. He's named Freddie. But is he fabulous? Nah, actually, he's kind of a turd. Once I have written a theme song, it will go here. This is Peanuts Gallery. I'm Molly Lewis. And I'm Josh Kagan. And welcome to the end of season three. We did it. Hey! Hey. We are having... It's incredible. We've got a big Mission Accomplished banner up. There's punch. There's cookies. Uh, It's a real party. We're having a great time. And to celebrate, we are discussing today the last Peanuts special... Of the uh, of the 1970s, you're the greatest, Charlie Brown, from March 1979. Uh, it's all about uh, decathlon fever, designed to cash in on uh, all of the Olympic excitement of the uh, 1976 Summer Olympics three years previously. Animation takes a long time, apparently. To help unpack it today, we have a uh, TV writer, all around great human, and friend to Team Kagan, Frankie Butler. Uh, Frankie Butler has been in Los Angeles five years, and I say this because literally no more than two days ago, uh, I was at her five-year LA anniversary party. Uh, she uh, started off uh, doing things like script coordinating for uh, TV's General Hospital and has uh, worked her way up the ranks and has now been a staff writer on TV shows such as NBC's The Night Shift. And this is awesome because I think this is our first guest I can say this about. Uh, was one of the writers for the Emmy-nominated season of Nat Geo's Genius. Frankie, welcome to the big show. Thank you all for having me. You make me sound so much fancier than I am in real life. I adore it. <laughs> you're, I, I would go as far as to say you're, you're fancy. I would, I would, I would hang that sorbet on you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let, leave that alone because when if we say fancy anymore, I'm gonna be required to start making uh, Reba McIntyre references, and nobody wants that. Oh, you know, it's hysterical. I was immediately thinking, like, oh, how can I work it? What was that? Was it an Ariana Grande song? I'm so fancy. I uh, already know. Oh God, who was? I know who it was. Uh, Iggy Azalea or Igloo Ast- that- Australia, as I love to refer to her. <laughs> She's terrible, and uh, I kid. That's why I forgot her name because we all forgot her name. In fact, let's all use yeah. those. Let's all use those Men in Black zapomotics to forget that I even said. I her like name. Igloo Australia as a placeholder name. That's <laughs> like the store brand version of Iggy Azalea. Yeah, that, I love that. I'm keeping that. But she's a. It, it is incredible. But isn't she already like the 99 cent version of herself? <laughs> yeah, truest of facts. <laughs> She's very much a scratch and dent model. Um, so, Frankie, let's start off. Uh, what is your uh, previous experience uh, before watching this special with the uh, televised P universe, uh, which is a phrase I'm never going to use again? Good, good judgment call there. Um, I don't think I had ever seen this special. I grew up. Um, like a kid reading, I think I've read every single one of the syndicated comic strips because I would run and steal the funny pages from my grandmother back when newspapers were a thing people actually read. Um, (laughs) I remember those days. Back in the good old days when I took the newspaper to like read the comics and look up movie times. Um, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I hadn't seen I, I hadn't seen this particular special before, so it was a real treat. It is a real treat, Molly. What'd you think of this one? I was not prepared for this one at all. I feel like the seventies there has been sort of a rash of uh, peanuts doing sports for no uh, no good reason. So I wasn't surprised. I would say, um, and I was surprised at the same time. It was a very confusing <laughs> decade for the peanuts. Um, I just have one that, like, why a decathlon? Like, what age are these children that we decided a decathlon was a good idea for, like... <laughs> you know what the kids are into? Decathlon. I mean, and again, it certainly would make sense if this came out, like, say, in 76 or 77, when, you know, Caitlyn Jenner was on Wheaties Boxes and everybody had you know, Olympic and decathlon fever and was super excited about that. But this is three damn years after all of that happened. And I can't imagine anybody giving a shit. Um, how dare how how dare you think people don't give a shit about international sports star <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner? That <laughs> at all points I'm thinking about how I could be more like international sports star uh, Caitlyn Jenner. The decathlon? Me and the decathlon? 
Charlie Brown, you might be the next Bruce Jenner. Me? It's an awful lot of work, Charlie Brown. You have to do a whole lot of training, and you have to compete in ten events. Oh, that's okay, Linus. It'll be worth it if it helps the team. You're the greatest, Charlie Brown! Yes, as, as so say we all. Um, yeah, so it does feel... I, I will say this. Um, I am used to them doing sports for sports' sake. Other than that, I found this to be an incredibly pleasant AM radio, turn it on the office, uh, turn it on at the office and listen to it all day kind of episode. Everybody was on model. Mm-hmm. Uh, Snoopy was not being chased by wolves or some shit. Snoopy couldn't fly. Uh, everyone was like, there was a lot of high quality friendshipping in this episode, which I really liked. It, I, I, I found it to be, and especially for you, Frankie, uh, if your experience is mostly with the strips, I, I suspect it felt mostly like reading a couple weeks worth of strips. Yes, it felt it felt very much like that, um, with the uh, added bonus of Charlie Brown looking like a 65-year-old mall speedwalker throughout 50% of the episode. Which is really what he is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically. <laughs> In his heart of hearts. Uh, I, I One of my first notes is, I don't know why, but I really like Charlie Brown in the gray sweatsuit. It's like, it's very good fellas. It's very like, Charlie didn't move for anybody. I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's kind of a good look for him. No, it's a, it's a great look. I think it's a look we should all emulate. <laughs> well, we are definitely moving towards the future where we all will be wearing, you know, like formless, shapeless jumpsuits and pantsuits. So I think that's a good start. And we have seen more than one special where Charlie Brown just kind of quits. Like he just kind of quits the day. He goes, well, I'm just going to be in bed, I guess, and just be sad. And so it's nice to know that he has a set of gray sweats to sort of correspond to that mood. As opposed to his perky red doing thing sweat. Right. Sort of Tenenbaum style. His, yeah. His, his, yes. His, uh, his going out sweats. He's going, uh, he's going dancing sweats. Um, well, before we go any further, here is the synopsis. Synopsis. A decathlon unfolds in real time, and a boy learns about the loneliness of the long-distance runner. Also, a dog wears a mask, but doesn't have pupils, and everyone's cool with it. Synopsis. Um, it was really nice to see Charlie Brown express core competence, uh, going off of what Molly was saying before about how usually he's just like, everything's terrible and I'm just going to lay in bed and just, just roll around in my failure filth until tomorrow and do it all over again. But in this, he is a goddamn man of action. And it was really, it was really exciting to see him like that. What do you two think? I think this is the first time I've ever seen Charlie Brown win at anything. I think in my history of reading the things, like the fact that he came in first in a couple of categories was like, I think if I had not known that this is peanuts and Charlie Brown is always going to Charlie Brown at the end of it, like would have really been like, go Charlie Brown, you can do it. I agree. Absolutely. Cause like he, he would have won if he hadn't gotten a little cocky at the end. And I think we can say that he got cocky and also people were supportive of him, which is also a thing we don't see. People were just generally encouraging and saying, you're probably going to win, which also never happens. It was a rare departure from the, the standard form of everybody taking a dump in Charlie Brown's mouth. Uh, yeah, it was really, it was really just Lucy's job in this episode. Uh, I, to be basically like what, what I like to call the Samantha of the group and just sort of stand up to the, stand out to the side and just sort of drop witty bon mots like, I can't believe it. The world is ending or stop the world. I want to get off. Like she only she and nobody was like around her and nobody was seemed to listen to her. And, uh, it, I kind of missed her a little in this episode. Like I almost felt like maybe it was a little too, too good times touchy feely and could have used a little more of the, uh, of the squirt of vinegar that she sort of adds to the proceedings. But uh yeah, for the most part, like Linus was back on model. I feel like he's been some of a sort of a dumb shit uh, over the last bunch of episodes that we've watched. Uh, and now he was just like really supportive. Peppermint Patty was her own pain in the ass self. But even then she was like, oh, okay, well, you know, you'll get them next time and you can do it. Um, but I'll tell you what my favorite thing in this episode is. Um, and, and that is, the, I, and I've come up, I, a 45-year-old man coming up with ship names, nothing weird about that. 
Uh, Charcy. I am shipping Charcy, Charlie Brown, and Marcy so hard through this entire episode. I thought their relationship was adorable. I completely understand uh, your impulse not to ship children, um, but I agree completely. There's a lot of meat on the bones for Charcy shippers in this one. <laughs> I like the idea. I like the idea that you're saying it like, "Oh, they're all out there. They've just been waiting for this moment." No, but if you go back as we have and watched all of these episodes, there's always been a little something between Charlie Brown and Marcy. Uh, and in this one, it was just like, "Oh, they're like." They're really good friends, and that's really sweet, and I and I really like it. I will also say about Marcy, um, I at the same time, although I'm happy that uh, you know her and Charlie Brown are getting on so well, I thought she really got short shrift in this episode from the titling on because Charlie Brown in this episode isn't really the greatest, and this is a spoiler alert. Marcy's the greatest, right? <laughs> We don't get to see Marcy be the greatest. Marcy, the events in which Marcy wins, we don't get to see it. Like, it's just off to the side. Oh, yeah, BT dubs, Marcy kicks everybody's hiney. That that has always been sort of a stalwart of, like, 60s and 70s animation, which is, like, real hard and expensive, I guess, at the time, and painstaking and boring, and I, I guess those guys and gals had better things to do with their time, because this episode has a lot of People like look shielding their eyes from the sun, looking off screen and going like, I can't believe what just happened. And then just basically like, hey, everyone, here's what happened. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty lazy episode well, as far as blandishing and production goes. Absolutely. Well, because can we to, to outline the plot of this would just be to describe what a decathlon is. Um, but in the javelin sequence, like. Marcy's up and then Fremont Freddy the Fabulous is up and the masked Marvel and then Charlie Brown ostensibly wins this event we got to see the other three javelins land and then for Charlie Brown Peppermint Patty just goes holy shit Charlie Brown you did it you landed it and it's just like you couldn't just recycle one of these other three javelins that you drew like that made me particularly angry for some yeah. stop with your logic stop with your common sense that has no plays I know in animation works. where do what, what podcast do I think of? I'm on. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I like to. I like to pretend that maybe it was like ridiculous. Like it's ten million dollars a second to animate this special for some reason. The Olympic Commission slaps you with a fine if you have four javelins, but three you can do for free. No big deal. Yeah, here's a here, legit. Yeah, totally legit. Here's a here's a true fact. Here's a thing I never want to hear in anything else besides a radio drama. You'll never believe what happened. I wish you could have seen it. Yeah, it's just like, that's like the national anthem of we didn't care. <laughs> well, in terms of things that we don't get to see, I'm mad that we didn't get to see uh, Snoopy and Fabulous Freddy from Fremont go out, go at it. Like, oh, yeah. And we'll get there. Uh, yes. It's like there was a sorry, I'm jumping ahead. But oh, no, there's a, as Molly said, <laughs> literally almost nothing happens in this episode except an entire decathlon. And we were just coming off Maureen Goo's episode uh, with uh, your first kiss, Charlie Brown, where a football game happens in real time. Uh, so but uh, but let's let's start at the top, such as it is. Uh, we start with uh, the gang hanging out in a gymnasium, just sort of staring at each other and trying to figure out uh, who's going to do what for the Junior Olympics, which is a thing. Shrug emoticon. Uh, I never, I did, did you two ever have to do Junior Olympics? Absolutely not. We did big field day and that was the closest we ever got. Uh, same, same. I think we all, Molly, did you, did you have to undergo the torment of field day? Um, I don't, I think from middle school, that was kind of the cutoff point. That was like, if you were on the trajectory to be an athlete in high school, you knew by then, otherwise you could just kind of wear shorts and sit on the grass. <laughs> um, yeah, I gotta say, I got some real, anytime I see any depiction of anything that's kids like doing gym-like activities, uh, I kind of break into a cold sweat. Uh, and I need a taco or something real quick. Uh, I was, uh, you two may have a hard time believing this. I'm not terribly athletic. And so there was a little, <laughs> did you just gasp, Frankie? No, that was me. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
one of you. Um, yeah, I, it got to the point where senior year of high school, uh, our, our gym teacher literally said to me and my friend David, hey, can you guys just go for a walk or something? Like you're, I don't want to deal with you two anymore and you're not going to learn anything and you don't want to. And we were like, this is great. And we had a, we had a document notarized and then we would walk to Dave's house and watch terrible movies. Uh, Molly, do you, uh, and, and Frank, Frankie, if I remember correctly, you were a dancer growing up. Uh, yeah, I did competitive dance like throughout high school, but competitive dance is not like a team sport. Like I can do a thing if you give me choreography and music and tell me exactly what to do. Like being on a field with people running for any period of time, more than two and a half minutes. Absolutely not. No, <laughs> not a thing I do. And Molly, I think I know the answer to this question, but do you have any fond memories of your gym class days? I do remember the Fosbury flop. I remember that term. And I remember not being good at it because I have a backside, which the Fosbury flop is not designed for. It's designed for flat-butted people. <laughs> and uh, so I use that as my excuse anyway. I use that as my excuse for a lot of things, actually, as I say it out loud. Having a butt? Actually, the absence of butts explains so much about 70s gym fashion, too. Right? right. No butt? <laughs> Why would you make shorts that short? Why would you want a brightly colored uh, terry cloth headband to distract from the fact that you don't have a butt? No butt. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta bounce it out. Wait, does that explain bell bottoms as well? It might. It might. It just might. <laughs> it's an optical illusion to, to give the appearance of butt. Yeah, exactly. The Fosbury flop is something that Peppermint Patty rattles off when she's uh, teaching Charlie Brown later on in the episode about uh, the high jump. And I was delighted to find out that that was real because that sounded like some like a snozberry. It tastes like snozberry type shit. Um, I, I had never heard that phrase before, but Molly, you had? Yeah, it was invented by some dude named Fosbury who, because um, she demonstrated both ways to jump over the bar. Um, and some dude named Fosbury, who I assume has a first name, but my internet is occupied by the podcast right now, so I'm not going to look it up. Sure. Um, but yeah, he pioneered a way where you go over shoulder blades first and then kind of arch your back over the thing and therefore achieve a little extra height. But like the peanuts are also kind of little T-Rex shaped people. So I'm not sure if that would apply to them. Um, evidently yeah. it does though. Also Molly, his, his name was, and I kid you not, Dick Fosbury. That's too bad. Oh. That's a very 70s name, isn't it's, it? It's, I think it's an excellent name. Dick Fosbury? It's Dickensian. Like, you expect him to be running a workhouse or something. Now you have a choice, Chuck. You can high jump this way. Richard Fosbury was tighter with a farthing than anyone else in old London town. I've never read any Dickens. I'm sorry. Please. Richard Fosbury was my father. <laughs> Call me the Foz. Oh, no. What if the... F no, probably not. It's too... Deep. I wonder if Fozzie Bear is related. I'm, I'm actually a third generation descendant of Dick Fosbury. How dare you? Um, no. <laughs> no. Oh, so so you so you're heir to the Fosbury millions. I'm heir to the Fosbury throne. <laughs> Game of Foz. Um, so a bunch of kids are standing around in the gymnasium. They're uh, splitting up like, oh, who's going to do what for the big Junior Olympics, which we are all going to pretend is a thing. Uh, there's one more event left except it's 10 events because it is the decathlon, which seems like an awful lot to make a child do. It's like, are they doing the Tough Mudder next year? Um, it, it, seems like, it, it seems like a real haul uh, for these children who don't even really seem to, they, who have like T-Rex Tom Servo arms. Like it's a, it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot to ask of them. And everybody's like, oh, the decathlon, I'm not going to do that. Linus is like, I'm not doing anything. And it's like, Nobody asked you, Linus. Nobody really expects anything of you to begin with. Uh, and then Lucy tees up uh, Charlie Brown's entrance by saying, Boy, who would be that dumb to want to enter the decathlon? 
And then Charlie Brown walks in with a hi, everybody. And you, I, I don't know about you too, but I almost like I filled in the raucous applause in my head. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the ah, it's Charlie Brown. <laughs> and the next thing he says, he goes, "Hey, I'm not going on vacation after all, so now I can enter the track meet." Right. And I do want to know why his vacation was canceled. What happened there, Charlie Brown? Yeah, it's weird. I'm not going on vacation after all, uh, because everyone implicitly knew that I was going on vacation. Uh, yeah, where, where, Frankie, where was he going, do you think? Uh, he was clearly going on a fabulous week away in Tahiti, but then his mom caught him with the hardcore drugs and decided to ground him instead. That's, I'm pretty sure that's how this works. <laughs> He's got to do some sports, <laughs> he's got to work it out of his system. Does he get, it's the jingle jangle. Uh, Frankie, here's what I like. <laughs> here's what I like about that answer. I feel like, and we're, I, I'm going to be asking you about this throughout the episode, I feel like, <laughs> because there's not tons to talk about. I feel like you really used your, uh, your hour long TV brain there to sort of begin to develop the dark Riverdale-ish reboot of the Peanuts gang. So anytime you would like to interject in here, because I feel like we have all of the pieces. We've got a big cast of characters. We've got unrequited love. We've got, you know, big events. We've got set pieces. Uh, you, you can see this, right? I feel like this yeah. is an IP you can you could do something with. Oh, yes. Well, also, one character in this episode is 500% on steroids, like calling it now. That's a terrible thing to say about Marcy. <laughs> I know. Have you seen those guns, though? Those are natural. <laughs> uh, that's incredible. You're doping, Charlie Brown. Um, Char I'm going to say this. When he was lifting weights in the gym, Charlie Brown looked jacked. Like, it again, he really just, he's like this, he, he kept reminding me of like a 70s mafioso. Like, even down to wearing like the uh, the tank top and the gray sweatsuit. Like, he really looked like he was just sort of, like, hanging out at the Italian-American Gentleman's Club. Well, well he, that's what he does in the next episode, spoiler alert. <laughs> well, his dad does run a barbershop, so maybe his dad's, like, a soft man for the mob or something. Cause oh, that's, no. That's how the Midwest works. Frankie, add that to your dark, gritty reboot. Uh, what would the title of the dark, gritty Peanuts reboot be? Oh, God, probably just nuts. <laughs> oh. It's business, Charlie Brown. <laughs> Oh, yes. There we go. No, I'm mad that Chuck already existed because that would be the name for the Dark Gritty reboot, but that is instead a Zachary Levi. I, I may be speaking out of turn. I feel like I, once Chuck went off the air, again, the Iggy Azalea Men in Black erasematic things went off and everybody went, oh, what did I just do with the last five years of my life? And just it just left like a minty, pleasant aftertaste. I think uh, Charlie Brown's cleaner name would be Pumpkinhead, don't you? Oh, yes. There we go. A hundred percent. And and apologies to Clive Barker. Um, he did a horror movie with the guy with the pumpkin for a head. And uh, the 80s were a rough time on everybody. Um, so Charlie Brown walks in and he's like, hey, what's everybody talking about? I was going to go to Tahiti, but my mom caught me with the jingle jangle or whatever the fuck. Uh, and, uh, and they're like, hey, we've got a great thing for you. Lucy's the one who really sells him on this. And she's like, you're going to be great. And you're going to be the next Caitlyn Jenner. And you're going to do this. And it's the decathlon. And it's going to be fantastic. And he's like, well, that sounds hard, but I guess we'll do it anyways, because otherwise... There won't be an episode. And everybody yells, you're the greatest, Charlie Brown. And it's uh, it's just the laziest cold open ever. Charlie Brown? Char <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, and we immediately slam into our training sequence um, where we learn, again, in real time, every single event in the decathlon. And uh, Charlie Brown is terrible at it. Peppermint Patty gets mad. And Marcy is mad supportive. Um, you say you say mad supportive. I'd say a little pervy. A little what? Like a little pervy. Like Marcy is watching Charlie Brown with the weights. Like, oh my gosh, you lifted those weights. That was so brave. I'm I'm confused about Marcy's feelings here. It's all I've got to say. Brave is an odd <laughs> choice of words. It's not like she was. It's not like he was lifting the weights off of like a trapped child. <laughs> off some train tracks, they were about to get run over. <laughs> sparing their life a terrible how could this accident even have happened in the first place <laughs> just lie down on these train tracks free weights 
<laughs> yeah, she is. I mean, she's really, I guess pervy is a word, obsequious, kind of a kiss up. I wonder, I wonder if there's some sort of like, if Marcy was secretly gunning to be the decathlete the whole time and was maybe soft soaping, buttering up Charlie Brown a little bit, throwing him off his game, maybe. What do we think, fam? When I first saw uh, this sequence, I assumed that, like, Peppermint Patty and Marcy kind of had, like, a good trainer, bad trainer thing going, and this was, like, some sort of paired shtick. I think I might have missed that Marcy was also training to be in the decathlon. What do you think, Frankie? Um, I think the, um, like, Marcy buttering him up definitely belongs in the uh, dark, gritty Peanuts reboot universe. Um, I think this was just a simple case of, like, Marcy, like, really being, you know, into Charlie Brown and wanting him to feel better about the fact that he has very mediocre at training. Um, and, like, leading into it a little hard. The, the anti-Lucy, who, uh, sta- one of her, like, four lines in the entire episode, she's just standing off to the side walk- watching Charlie Brown work out. I guess that's what everybody in school is doing. Uh, they're just like, hey, what do you want to do tonight? Let's, uh, we want to go uh, stand around in the gym and watch Charlie Brown lift something heavy. Uh, but she's, uh, yeah, she's like, What's so great about lifting two angel food cakes? Leads me to ask the question, what kind of angel food cake is Lucy eating? Has she never seen a barbell? What happened to her? What happened to Lucy this week? The jingle jangle is going to be my answer to everything. (laughs) (laughs) The the jingle jangle for 200, Alex. Uh, Molly, what do you you think? What, What do we tack up to Lucy's sort of real periphery behavior this week? I feel like Lucy's lines were just entirely written by, like, it, like I don't want to assume that Peanuts had punch-up people, but it was on network television, so maybe. Um, or maybe they measure weight in pound cakes, like, in this universe. I don't know. Yeah. She got, I, I want to believe it's Bruce Valanche. He's all over <laughs> everything. He's always, he's always punching up something or the other. Um yeah, and we go through uh, we go through his training. He's terrible at everything. Marcy's supportive. Peppermint's Patty's like, I don't know about this kid. And uh, and Snoopy is in the background just doing Snoopy bullshit. Um, he's great at running. He's great at throwing. He's great at everything. Um, and uh, except being there for when Charlie Brown nearly kills Woodstock. Uh, which I, if there are many times when Woodstock has been almost killed by a uh, giant heavy object. And every single time I like the character fine, but there's always something in the back of my head. That's like, maybe this will be the time. Maybe this will be the time <laughs> that Woodstock is just wiped off the face of the earth once He's and for all. Kind of the Mr. Bill of this universe. Just a little bit. <laughs> Yes, uh, and I, maybe that's something that in the first episode of Nuts, the Dark Peanuts reboot, uh, that's something that we could just take care of right away, uh, because otherwise that's that's so much CG, or you don't want to train a bird, and birds don't even look like that. It's uh, it's weird. I have a question about our Gritty Peanuts <laughs> reboot. Is Nuts spelled with an apostrophe at the front, like as an abbreviation of, of Nuts, because it, it peanuts, because it seems like a problem to just name a show nuts like that seems like maybe adult in a different direction you know true true yeah you gotta you gotta you gotta do the apostrophe or no you just rather than nuts it's just called pn <laughs> mm-hmm. and you just know what it stands oh, for hang on hang on i'm gonna do you i'm gonna do you one better i'm gonna yes and that the pn mm. yes there we go we've got it we've solved it we have cracked this, this. week <laughs> we've cracked this peanut if you will. this week on the pn Woodstock meets an untimely end, and Snoopy demands answers. Um, I thought it was really weird. Snoopy pops up later as his recurring character, the Masked Marvel, only this time uh, they did not draw him with pupils, and it immediately put me in a very uh, Batman-slash-Deadpool headspace for Snoopy, especially with his jaunty little red tank top. Uh, so maybe in this universe, the Masked Marvel is uh, for the dark reboot is the one who's going around writing wrongs and solving crimes of which, of which there are many. I was watching you. You lifted those weights seven times. That was very good. Uh Now, uh, so Woodstock nearly dies. Charlie Brown's terrible at everything. Uh, and, and Peppermint Paddly, Paddly, she Paddly decides, uh, to, uh, to, put both Marcy 
and Charlie Brown as this in the same, basically like she's going to put them in the decathlon as well. Why? For the love of God, Mar- Marcy is Peppermint Patty's best and dearest friend in the world and is obviously fit AF. Why not just why not just put Marcy there in the first place? Why are we dealing with Charlie Brown at all? Well, I'll one I'll one up that. Why is Peppermint Patty not the one in the decathlon? Peppermint Patty's training him. Peppermint Patty's the one who knows the Fosbury flop. Like, is she just chilling? Is she like been out outlawed from the decathlon for life for inappropriate behavior with doping and judges like why i have a lot of questions i have a- all of these are super plausible <laughs> but and normally our explanation for like well why isn't peppermint patty involved is well she goes to another school but fabulous fuck you freddie from the fremont is also <laughs> from a different oh, school so here's that this is a thing i picked up from the wikipedia today and in great podcasting tradition i will pass it off as my own knowledge um Thank you, thank you. Uh, in every other episode, just about, and in the comic strip, in the continuity and the canon of the Peanuts universe, Marcy and Peppermint Patty and Franklin uh, go to one school, and the uh, and Charlie Brown and all of his buddies go to another school. Not in this episode. Everybody's just mooshed together. It doesn't answer the question, why isn't Peppermint Patty competing? But I almost wonder if she's like put herself in a coaching position so she doesn't have to do anything because really, who could be bothered? I also want to call out, um, I'm going to drop the quote. Boy, who would be that dumb to want to enter the decathlon? Right there. Um, but in the sort of opening, the cold open, um, when they're talking about, well, who's going to do the decathlon? Marcy is standing right there when Lucy says something to the effect of, well, what kind of idiot would do the decathlon? So it would have to be an asshole to do 10 events in a row for the credit of one. And so, like, I don't know how Marcy took that to hear it and then to eventually enter the decathlon. Oh, heartbreak. So do you think... Oh, my gosh. Go ahead, Frankie. <laughs> no, I was just like saying, so Marcy's sitting there like about to enter the decathlon and then Lucy comes in with that vitriol. She's like, oh, I guess. Oh, okay, no. Then. I think the decathlon's pretty cool. Oh, no. Now I'm pe- the headcanon is that like ever since the 1976 Summer Olympics, like she's got, you know, she's got all of the weedy boxes and the posters and like she bought a book on the decathlon and like got really up on like even the Greek history of it. And she's practicing everything like with like a Frisbee with sand packed into it, wrapped in tinfoil to make it extra heavy. Like she's just been doing all of this for years. And today was Marcy's day to shine. Oh, Oh. oh, see, though, that's a training montage that I would take over the one that we had to watch in this special of Marcy actually doing things in her backyard because <laughs> because she's motivated running up the steps of the Philadelphia Art Museum and <laughs> all of that. I would watch that no. in a heartbeat. No, Marcy went home after the end of this and like patted her Caitlyn Jenner poster and said, I don't think you're an idiot. And then like went cried herself to sleep. That's. Tell that part of the episode. Oh, ended. Sad, um, but uh, but as it turns out, uh, she does get her uh, she does get her moment in the sun, even though we never actually see it as the audience. And uh, we we go through this endless uh, training montage, and then it is the day of the Junior Olympics, and uh, and Mars uh, no, Peppermint Patty introduces Charlie Brown to his competition, which is Marcy. Who, and the two of them are just like Chippendale uh, through the entire thing. Just like, that was very good. Oh, thank you. After you. No, thank you. After you. Um, you're very brave to take off that grace jumpsuit like that. Thank you. You know, and they, and they do that. Uh, and then the masked Marvel. This drove me crazy because we understand in this fiction, in this universe, that Peppermint Patty has no idea that Snoopy is a dog. Okay, fine. It's called the Ace Obedience School. I never heard of it either. What's the person's name? The Masked Marvel. Masked Marvel? Now, Snoopy is Charlie Brown's dog. Why isn't Charlie Brown just like, oh, uh, oh, the Ace Obedience School? Well, that's a dog school. That's probably my dog. 
What is he having a brain fart? Is he like what? What happened here? Snoopy enrolled himself in the Ace Obedient School. Clearly, amazing. He faked a bunch of paperwork to enter this decathlon. Is what he did. Did he fake his documents? Scandal. Uh, and then he's introduced as the Masked Marvel, and everybody is just fine with it. And everybody's just like, oh, it's the Masked Marvel from Ace Obedience School. A small person who wears a mask. The more the merrier. Yay! Uh, a small person who wears a mask who looks exactly like... Is the idea that Charlie Brown doesn't recognize Snoopy when he's wearing a mask? Are we using that sort of Batman, Bruce Wayne, Superman, Clark Kent glasses kind of thing here? Or is Charlie Brown just dumb as hell? <laughs> Six of one, half a dozen of the other. <laughs> I suppose. Or, or again, it's the drugs. It's, it's the drugs. It's it's that dang jingle jangle that's messing up Charlie what, Brown. Mass Marvel's pushing. What would it, onto the streets? Is Mass Marvel the pushers, or maybe, uh, or maybe Peppermint Patty is the? I actually like the idea that Peppermint Patty is both the tra- the quote unquote trainer. And also the one who's pushing the jingle jangle, or as I would like to call it in this universe, uh, what would be a good name for it? My, the first thing that comes to mind is the Schlobotnik, named after Joe Schlobotnik, <laughs> uh, Charlie Brown's favorite uh, baseball player. Uh, I'm on the bot. Yeah. I'm on the bot, you guys. Um, <laughs> I think it'd be called Blanket, right? Because then, and then like Linus is like a junkie. Yeah. Incredible. It all lines up. Oh my no, God. Uh, also, also, guys, the dealer, the dealer in this universe is clearly Pigpen. Oh, that's unfair. <laughs> he does look. He definitely does look like every Pigpen has ferrets. Hey, Josh, he, like you could just tell. He can raise a cloud of dust in a snowstorm. Fuck me. <laughs> oh, Molly. Oh no. Because <laughs> Pe- oh, no. Peppermint Patty is already a great like Midwestern gangster name. Like that like Peppermint Patty was killed in the Valentine's Day massacre. You know what I mean? Like it's already there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, I'll yeah. do you two one better. And I know this from watching years of terrible 70s and 80s cop shows. Do you know what a marijuana cigarette dipped in PCP is called? Oh, why would I? No, I'm it was a rhetorical question. It is called a sherm. That's just the most unfortunate name. That's so unhip. It's totally unhip, but it also explains what happened to Shermy, right? Oh my god, Shermy Odeed. And it, it suits that the voice we've given him, like a bag of donuts. Like that's for some reason, Frankie, that's what that's how we voiced <laughs> Shermy. I can't really explain why. Well no, oh, I can't, because in the very first step in the very first special, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, uh, when Shermy was allowed to say words before he was wished into the cornfield or whatever, uh it, uh Lucy's like, You're gonna be a shepherd. And he is I'm probably exaggerating a little, but he's like, Hey, why I gotta be a shepherd? Fuck this. Why can't I do something else? I'm always a shepherd. Hey. Um <laughs> But that's before he disappeared off the face of the earth. He OD'd on his own supply, and Pigpen, heartbroken, decided to name that particular uh, that particular drug delivery device the Sherm. Ah, oh, we've got so much material for the PN, you guys. What a robust wiki we will cultivate one day. Oh yeah. By the by the way, uh those of you who listen to this, uh we will happily take any and all fan art uh spec scripts for the PN uh and we will share it on the website and if any of you decide to send us any actual scripts, we will absolutely read them at a later date. Um we meet all of the contestants, one person who goes to Charlie Brown's school, Charlie Brown's dog, and then a brand new character who I certainly never saw in the syndicated comic strip, never saw anywhere else. Ladies and gentlemen, Freddy Fabulous from Fremont. Chuck, meet Freddy Fabulous from Fremont. He won this event last year. Freddy, this is Chuck Brown. Glad to meet you. You'll be sorry soon that you met me, kid. <laughs> so let me just start off with this question. Who the hell is this kid? I don't know who he is at this point in time, but I can tell you that Freddy Fabulous grew up to have a hardcore drug problem and be in adult films, and he now lives in the Valley. Like, that's where Freddy Fabulous ended up. Because when your name is Freddy Fabulous from Fremont, there's really only one direction. <laughs> <laughs> Straight to the top! Um, 
Freddy Fab. Okay, so uh, for those of you who are not going to bother to watch the episode, and you're fine, uh, Freddy Fabulous is a tall kid, uh, possibly a teenager. Um, although then why he would be competing against little kids uh, makes absolutely no sense. But what in this universe does? Uh, and uh, he uh, has great hair and he wears, God bless, he wears a tank top with a giant F on it, which I, I got to say, if you want to communicate to the world that you're a winner, maybe there are other letters of the alphabet you would want to pick first. But, I mean, how else are people supposed to know that his name is Freddy Fabulous if he doesn't have an F on it? That, that raises an, an excellent question. What does the F stand for? Does it stand for Freddy? Does it stand for Fabulous? Does it stand for Fremont? Does it stand for Fosbury Flop? We got a lot of options here. I was very surprised that Freddy Fabulous from Fremont didn't do the Fosbury Flop, and I'm also astonished that I got all of that out without tripping over my own tongue. <laughs> you um, know you need unique New York. Freddy Fabulous did the Fosbury Flop. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, in spite of everything, though, Frankie, I think you nailed it. I think he absolutely grows up to be Dirk Diggler. No. Yeah. Like, I'm it's not, kind I'm of. Not, I'm not happy about it. I'm just stating that's, that's what happens. <laughs> Don't make the news. I just report it. But also, I made it up. Um, and, uh, Freddie Fabulous from Fremont, who everybody calls by his full Freddy Fabulous from Fremont name, uh, probably to just pad time. Hey, we're like five minutes short on this episode. Okay, we're going to we're gonna rename Frank Freddy Fabulous from Fremont, and we're going to say the full thing every time, and then we'll hit 24 minutes. Um, yeah, he is just a tall jerk. He's a bully. He's got a toothpick. He talks like a 1920s gangster. Hey, you pigeons. Hey, pumpkinhead. Uh, I'm going to show you what for. Uh, and he got he has great hair, and he's supposedly good at everything, and uh, he's not. Why do you think this episode was the one they decided after years of not introducing any new characters into this universe? Why do we get this kid all of a sudden? I kind of assumed that, um, sorry, Charcy shippers, but I assumed that their whole sort of politeness towards each other was supposed to be like this foil. Freddie Fabulous from Fremont is a foil for their sportsmanship. And I figured it was supposed to like model sportsmanship for the youths of America, but that may be giving the peanuts, uh, crew a little too much credit. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm on that train with Betty Betty Fabulous losing because he's a ginormous jerkwad and you know, Charlie Brown and Marcy, like being good sports and doing the right thing and close to prevailing at the end of the day. I mean, Marcy certainly prevails. Yeah. Behaving like a team in what is not a team sport, ultimately. Yeah. 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 So uh, we are, we are introduced, uh, we're introduced to Freddie and then we, again, go through a decathlon in real time. And like we said at the top of the episode, uh, Charlie Brown is actually pretty good at everything. There's some fuck-ups here and there, but for the most part, he does okay. Um, and, and Frankie, you already expressed that felt pretty good to watch. Molly, when you said you were surprised by this episode, was Charlie Brown's core competence one of the things that surprised and or confused you? Yes, and it, it seemed like at the end of the episode, he doesn't end up winning the decathlon because he just spaces out thinking about how great it feels to be a winner. And that kind of felt like a cop-out on on like a, on the narrative sort of end of just like, well, well why Charlie Brown is up at, at the end of this decathlon? Why would he lose? Well, because he's daydreaming, I guess. Like, it kind of felt like they couldn't really think of any other reason to cut him down. Like, they set him up for so much success that they were like, I don't uh, did, he's, he runs away. It is, he does seem to go into some sort of fugue state, and this is the second time this season we have seen that. Uh, in previous episode, uh, Your First Kiss, Charlie Brown. Uh, Charlie Brown uh, has his first dance ever with the little red-haired girl of his dreams, and then completely blanks out and wakes up the next morning wondering what happened. Um, Frankie, I got to say, between him just sort of closing his eyes and running off into the middle distance and this weird sort of like, you know, K-hole that he fell down uh, in the previous episode, it's the, it's the blanket. 
<laughs> it's, it's definitely the blanket. It's got to be the blanket. I'm I'm so glad that you had me on to bring hardcore drugs into the wonderful <laughs> world of peanuts. That's really and my crime. Co- my contribution to the scene. Well, maybe we can maybe we can try and pull it out a little uh, because okay, so we have we have the basic structure of this decathlon, the two day field day. What can we do in your estimation, Frankie? Setting aside hard drugs and crime. What can we do to zizz this up for uh, for primetime television and hour long drama? What can we do? What can can we can we pull out? Can we pop out that romance a little more? Can we give Freddie Fabulous from Fremont a little backstory? Freddie Fabulous from Fremont definitely like has to win this thing because he has an abusive sports dad, yeah. and like he's never <laughs> going to escape if he doesn't get the scholarship <laughs> to like the good high school that winning the Junior Olympics will give him. Obviously, so. Freddy Fabulous from Fremont is just like cheating and like, I don't know, tying Charlie, I don't know, breaking Charlie Brown's laces so he has a Tanya Harding in the Olympics breakdown. Yes. And uh, I love the idea that uh, there will be a movie, uh, I, Freddy. <laughs> Uh, a few years, 20 years later, Freddie will come out of his, uh, his shame hole. No, I like that a lot. I like that he's being pressured into like the world of big time, uh, kids competitive sports. Uh, Frankie, uh, to sort of, uh, jump train tracks here for a second. Uh, when you did competitive dance, uh, in high school, was the idea that you were going to go on to be like an Olympic competitive dancer or like, do like, was there, and was it a thing that your parents were pressuring you to do or what? Or were you in a gym because and they were I like, who's going to dance? Oh, what kind of dummy would dance? <laughs> yeah. There's one more, there's one more category left. It's competitive dance. <laughs> That's exactly how I ended up on dance team. No, my mother so would have preferred that I had not done competitive dance. That shit was expensive. We had to like road trip all throughout the Southeast. So many evenings like speeding through Mississippi. Yeah, no, I I did it because it was fun. That was literally the only reason I ever did sports. And then I got old and got injured and I stopped doing it because it stopped being fun. Uh which is why I was never going to be a professional athlete because that level of dedication, I know, doesn't exist. Uh, I think this may be a first uh, for our podcast uh, to have a guest or anybody who regards athletics as quote unquote fun. Uh, so, so congratulations. Uh, I think Molly and I were definitely like versions of the kids either hiding in the library or the theater department. Um, Molly, has there ever been a time in your life where you found yourself surprised to be like, oh, wait, I'm like doing an athletic thing and it's actually I'm enjoying myself? Um, Well, I did do well because my dad was what they call a jock. Uh, He was from a small mountain town and his high school had like he had like 30 people in his graduating class. So he played on every sports team. Um, and so they just kind of figured like, well, sports are just kind of part of childhood. So we'll just kind of keep running our kids through sports until they find one that speaks to them. So I did ballet. I did volleyball. I did soccer. Um, and there was a stretch where I played soccer on a team where the coach's daughter was on the offense and I was on defense and it was great because nothing got past the coach's daughter. And so I just, I could like sit down in the end field and just pick flowers and we'd be fine. We'd do just the same. Um, so that I enjoyed. <laughs> so if it's, Bar- barring that, I don't so know. Big, so, but you didn't end up having a big future in competitive flower picking. Yeah. I mean, I, I made, I learned how to make flower crowns real young, which uh, as a millennial bodes really well for me. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations on your Etsy business. <laughs> uh yeah and me never never ever ever uh I, I i am now uh working out two or three times a week and have been for a while in an effort to just not die because i am uh exactly uh die in your sleep and it's not weird years old uh so and every and you would think and i've been doing it you know for a few years now and you would think at some point i keep waiting for that thing to go off in my head that's like Ooh, it's workout time. It's get on the treadmill time. It's time to do a thing. And it never, ever happens. And I'm always, I'm always a little envious of people who are like, yes, this is something that I have factored into my life. And it's a thing that I get excited about. Uh, but, but for me, never, ever, ever. Well, you know, the thing that's enjoyable about, um, exercising as an adult, because I didn't know this as a child and would have taken it up as a child, but you have the option to exercise alone indoors. And I didn't know that was an option until I got much older. 
Uh, and also not in view of like it with, you know, kids sports, there's always an audience of other parents um, and not a thing when you're on a treadmill watching, watching your iPad by yourself. This is very true. <laughs> That's I think much preferable. I thank you, Molly. I've now looked at I, I can now look at exercise, uh, not as exerting effort and exhausting myself, but rather a way to be even better at my introversion. Mm hmm. Just sweating alone by yourself. That would be the name, by the way, of my Richard Simmons video, were I to ever take over for him. <laughs> Swe sweating alone by yourself. Okay, well, you know, In no bad ideas in brainstorming. Actually, that's a, that, that was the name of Freddie Fabulous from Fremont's first video. Sweating alone by yourself. That sounds like a very different sort of video, Josh. I don't know if you want. Yes, you know, you got to work your way up the ranks in that business. What was the name? I I've wondered this since we brought up Freddie Fabulous's high pressure dad. What's his dad's name? Is it like Frank Fabulous from Fuckville? Like, what is? I have to imagine there's some hard scrabble story for Mister Fabulous. Fabulous can't be his government name, right? That had to be a thing that he gave himself. I think he's I think he's Fred Fabulous the Third. I, I think that's the story. Yeah. Oh, of the Fremont Fabuluses? Oh yes, definitely. Your father was a fabulous your father's father. He's like begged his parents to let him to, to call him Trey, to let him go by Trey, let him break away from the name, and they won't do it. He has to carry on being the next Freddy Fabulous. For for generations, Fremont has been uh foiled and friended by fabulousness, fabulouses. Fabulous, I feel like it's a it I feel like it has a much different connotation now. And so, like, to see it sort of in the context of, like, we've got this cool, hip, tough, butch jock. What's his name? Freddy Fabulous. Uh, and maybe that's just, it, maybe it was just more of a 70s thing along the lines of, like, Dynamite or Far Out or Fabulous. But it just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know where, the, I think I might call myself something else. Or I wouldn't. Or maybe that kid just owns it. Maybe he truly feels fabulous. His hair is really fabulous. When it, when his, uh, when his ancestors came to America, they were the fabulous. I, and it's just kind of an Americanization. I, I'll allow it. that I definitely want to mention is uh, during the endless uh, decathlon, I would call it a montage, but like I said, it is a decathlon in real time. Uh, Freddie Fabulous uh, from Fremont uh, at one point goes sailing over the high jump bar and lands right on his hem peanuts, uh, which I believe is the first and last and only canonical nutshot joke in the penis universe. Uh, I definitely went, uh, I feel like I might be the only one uh, who did that out of the three of us, but did, we all thought that's weird, right? I mean, in the context of a track and field event, that is definitely, as someone who has done the high jump, that is certainly a rite of passage, is watching someone just kind of nail themselves. Um, I don't know if it is such a trope of the track and field event that it is justified in children's programming, though. Yeah, but... Are we are we going to say this is any less than what Freddy Fabulous from Fremont deserved? Like, if anyone deserved a nut shot in a high jump, it's it's that douche. It was yes. deeply, deeply satisfying. Although, Frankie, I am concerned that uh, the future that you have laid out for him uh, in scandalous entertainment for for. Uh, concerning adults uh i i think that might have an effect on it is there any way that you can work that into his fiction uh i could but it's far too explicit to be saved on this podcast <laughs> we I, i'm gonna go ahead and say by the way i and i am proud of this we must be the only children's animation recap podcast that gets the explicit wording from itunes which i'm very excited about can that be true i'm gonna pretend that's true it must be true um also uh with the high jump uh, i would also like to say that uh charlie brown gives marcy possibly one of the uh worst compliments one can give for the high jump in which he says that was great marcy you really went over that bar thanks Charles." i feel like 
that's the most baseline compliment you can give someone who just did the high jump. So you're saying I the bar like was low? I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, I apologize. It was there. I had to. It it was, that was, that was exactly what the doctor ordered. That was perfect. Uh, And so we come to the very last, thank God, uh, uh, the very last competition, uh, the very, in, in the decathlon, the 15,000 meter race or something like that. Uh, Charlie Brown is worried and Linus is really nice and a really good supportive friend to him. I don't have a joke about this. I'm just really happy that Linus has sort of pulled back from his weird Alex Jones shouting conspiracy theory dummy to just like, Hey, I'm just Charlie Brown's bro and I'm here to support him and even gives him a nice pat on the shoulder. Does this give you two uh, warm fuzzies as well? It did. It was a really sweet moment of, I don't know, broship dude. Can we say bro ship in the peanuts verse? That sounds douchey. Yeah. But no, that's what it was. It was it was, it was really nice. Uh, Molly, did you? I feel like it's been a long time, Molly, since you and I have seen one of these episodes where people are just being good and sweet to each other. I found it very refreshing. Well, here's what I'll say about Linus's uh, gesture of friendship. Um, I feel like more than once in this uh, decade in particular, there have been instances where we've been frustrated at Linus because he will say, hey, Charlie Brown, you should do this dangerous and or expensive and or embarrassing thing. It'll be great and you'll be victorious because you always succeed at whatever you do. And then at the end when Charlie Brown's like, I'm going to fail because I fail at everything I do, Linus goes, well, it's okay, Charlie Brown. The real motocross was the friends we made along the way. (laughs) (laughs) And that just kind of felt like what this was. like. You know that old saying, it's not the winning that counts, it's the way you play the game. But everybody is dependent on me, Linus. Just do your best, Charlie Brown. I'm sure everyone will be satisfied. All you can do is your best. Just do your best, Charlie Brown. I'm sure everyone will be satisfied. Which is a very nice thing to say, but we all know, actually, that when failure happens in this universe, the words ha 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 appear all around you, and everybody points at you and calls you a loser for the rest yeah, of the no, I uh, Linus says everyone will be satisfied. Has Linus met his sister? I'm just curious. Well, that- we, we do have a theory that Lucy lives in the fanciest house in town all by herself, <laughs> but uh, that's not necessarily... That's for the PN. That's not necessarily... Canon. Um, So they go into the big race and everyone is basically, it's like a four-way tie and everybody starts running and wonder of wonders, Charlie Brown pulls out in front. And we, we spoke about this earlier in the episode, but this is the point where he then closes his eyes and imagines all of the parties and parades and Wheaties boxes. And he's thinking to himself like, I'm going to win. Then he runs off of the track and into just like the inky void of space. And putting aside our sort of drug-related theories, could anyone really be this stupid? (laughs) Have either of you – let me rephrase that. Have either of you ever been in a situation where you snatched defeat from the jaws of victory? I mean, we could call that my entire dating life in my 20s, but that's completely – that's different. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I don't. But he had to because that's what Charlie Brown does. That's who Charlie Brown is. Snatching defeat from the jaws of victory might as well be his motto. He yeah. should get it tattooed <laughs> on his backside. <laughs> Which he will for the dark reboot, the PN. Um, yeah, it just it felt really empty and stupid. And I wish something else would have happened. But I also wish uh, it, that they would have done, instead of cutting, because what they do is cut next to uh, Charlie Brown and Peppermint Patty sitting under the old thinking tree and going like, wow, a bunch of stuff totally happened that we didn't feel like animating. But what I really wanted was like Charlie, it was like Peppermint Patty and Marcy being like, well, I wonder what happened to Charlie Brown and just cut to like Toronto and he's just still running and they never saw Charlie Brown again. So oh, it's like Forrest Gump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the PN starts when Charlie Brown comes back from running across the country. <laughs> I'm tired now. <laughs> got a little red hair, girl. 
And he needs to go to his father, who is the barber, to cut off the long hair and beard that he has grown, running across America with his eyes closed. His, his running long with hair. his eyes closed. His long hair is just a slightly more unkempt squiggle. Like that's it, there's really nothing going on. Yes. You know, the PM starts in Charlie Brown's hospital room after he gets hit by a Mack truck for running across the street with his eyes closed. Charlie Brown and Pepper and Patty are sitting under the tree and Charlie Brown's like, I can't believe I lost. And Pepper and Patty's like, don't worry, our school won anyways because Marcy won everything, which we're not going to show because Snoopy and Fabulous Ready from Fremont had a giant fight, which we're not going to show. And then Marcy walks in and is like, hey, uh, Charlie Brown, you did your best and that's great. And Charlie Brown's like, congratulations on winning. And then Marcy says, you're the greatest, Charlie Brown, and fart. That's the end of our episode. Mar I feel like Marcy should be flossing a little, right? Didn't she win? No, no, no. You Also, Josh, you missed a moment. The end of the episode isn't you're the greatest, Charlie Brown. It's you're the greatest, Charlie Brown. And then she lifts up her glasses and gives Charlie Brown a seductive wink. Hi, everybody. I just wanted to congratulate you, Charles, for being such a good sport. Thanks. And congratulations on winning, Marcy. You're a great competitor and a real gentleman. I think you're the greatest, Charles. Oh, you're absolutely right. Thank you for pointing that out. Because the wiki also said this is the only time in the specials that we see Marcy's eyes. Ugh. Well, and the wiki also has phrases like when they stopped aging. So it's just freaky to me that someone's keeping track of that sort of thing. Agreed. Um, why didn't, yes, yeah, she gives like the seductive wink and that's weird. Do we think that Marcy is hiding her own light under a bushel because she's desperately trying to make time with Charlie Brown? Oh, definitely. 500%. Oh, that hurts my heart. I feel like years from now, she's going to be like, I won the goddamn Junior Olympics. And who was there? Who was there for me? Nobody. Just me standing around, winking, telling some man that he's the greatest when I did all the work. Ain't that the story? Is she like holding a half-smoked cigarette deep into her fourth gin and tonic as she's saying this? You know, I don't want to cast aspersions on a child character, but there is a lot about Marcy that does say could end up doing a lot of drinking at a bar that opens at like six o'clock in the morning. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Frankie will allow it. If, the, if that's Marcy's angle, then what is the masked Marvel's angle? Why does why does the masked Marvel keep buttoning into Charlie Brown's biz? Uh, I think just as a chaos muppet, right? Because he knows he's better than everybody, and he just wants to keep showing everyone that he that his shit don't stink. Well, no, it's I, I think it's revenge. Snoopy's like, you make me shit outside, I'll you know rub your nose in it. <laughs> He's mad. He's mad that Charlie Brown thinks he has control over him. That it's brings an entirely psychological thing. That brings up an amazing point. Does Snoopy shit outside? I feel like he doesn't, right? I feel like he uses a toilet. I could picture him reading a little newspaper yeah. or a Play Dog magazine or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think he's got, I mean, his doghouse is a tesseract and it's got a thousand million rooms. So I, it, it must have, a, a you know, a gentleman's quarters in there. Um, but I like Frank. He's, he's treated like a dog. He sleeps outside in the snow. He eats out of a bowl. It's a terrible setup. Of course, he wants to come and rub everyone's noses in it. Um, and maybe, uh, maybe that's part when in the, uh, in the PN, he, he, maybe it's like solving crimes, but also exacting revenge on everybody for treating him like a dog. I like so much about the PN, you guys. I feel like that we've really, we've really come out of that with a solid pitch that, uh, that Frankie can now take to Netflix. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. Good I'll, 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 I'll call up the people at Netflix. I'll be pitching this next week. Yes. It'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's only a certain amount of time before they have a library drop off, uh, like one of those library book drop off boxes that just spits out money because apparently they just, they just want to make content. We just need to make a million zillion hours of content a day. What do you want to do a gritty reboot? of tell us there already is a dark and gritty play version of peanuts so you know it's just uh waiting god but god bites dog is that or dog bites god, god? Mm -hmm. dog sees god that's it uh yes and that uh, that i believe that has uh snoopy uh charlie brown having to put down snoopy because he had rabies uh how 
terribly edgy. Um, and that brings us to the end of this episode, which was neither good nor bad, was neither enjoyable nor upsetting. It just sort of, it just sort of exists and goes away. And, uh, in comparison to say, what a nightmare, Charlie Brown, uh, where Snoopy, uh, is abused and, uh, and drowns, uh, I, I was absolutely fine with it after this season. I was absolutely fine with a pleasant little episode. Uh, my friends, uh, any, any, uh, any final thoughts? Frankie, any final thoughts? Um, my final thoughts are just, I really, really hope Freddie, Freddie Fabulous from Fremont is okay, but like his dad accepted him not winning the decathlon. He's in a good place now. It's all, it's all I really want for him. I, I, he put it his best. I guess the whole school hates me. Not to worry, Chuck. The school anyway besides they know you did your best molly did this episode leave you satisfied well let's not get carried away (laughs) how do you feel it stood up to the other junk that we've had to watch this season i i don't know how anything could surpass the motocross stunts and like the just the there well here's what i'll say about this much like uh, you're a good sport there were a lot of sort of good crowd shots a lot of sort of other sort of garbage characters yes um and it, i always enjoy seeing like little bonus peanuts in the background that was that was delightful and the music was pretty good bogus did a good job no dumb songs uh real it, it really did belying its 1979ness uh sort of had a little 70s funk uh, with uh, a little sort of 80s uh, new wave synthy brightness. I, again, uh, as one to go out on, uh, I, I was real happy with it, mostly because it just didn't make me furious. Uh, Frankie, uh, where can people find you on the internet? And is there anything you would like to plug? Uh, I have no plugs. I'm a deeply boring human being. Um, I can be found on Twitter at Frankie the B. That is Frankie, F-R-A-N-K-I, the the word the b letter b um and yes it's a lot of me being mad about politics and occasionally funny jokes so if you want to find me on the internet i am there yes and you having opinions about the bachelorette as well oh so mm. many opinions about the bachelorette. <laughs> so <laughs> many opinions about the bachelorette and that, and that is and that will be the spin-off co- uh, podcast <laughs> the rose gallery um uh this has been peanuts gallery i'm josh kagan i'm molly lewis I'm Frankie Butler. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you in a bit with uh, our big, uh, like, uh, late summer movie episode. And thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you like the show, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, tweeting about us at Peanuts Podcast, or telling a friend. Thanks to Lard D'Souza for the graphics, Ken Plume for the blandishment, Waffle Media for the nickels and Sparky, Bill, and Lee for everything else. If you'd like to buy an official Peanuts Gallery meat lump plush, you can't because they don't exist. But you can turn a dirty sock inside out and put googly eyes on it, and you're basically there. 